breaker one, breaker one might be crazy, but I ain't dumb. Crazy cooter coming at you. Hey, fast line, fast track. Y'all got your ears on out there? John Deere to New Holland. Just look at the load I'm hauling. Hard work, I hit it harder. Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer. Sun up to sundown. Backing up traffic all the way to town. Camo hat and a farmer's town. Cause I'm a working man. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, the government suspends debt collections, foreclosures, and other activities on farm loans for several thousand distressed borrowers. The USDA finalizes hemp rules, and the pork board intensifies export efforts. We'll talk grain bin safety with Matt Sertic of CHS and soil nutrients with Mosaic's Taylor Perucker. Jesse Allen is along with his market talk report, and the hot rod farmer Ray Bohax has another installment of Bushels and Scents. Finally, we bring you the second part of our look back at Fastline Fast Track's best musical performances of 2020. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, we lead with some much welcome news for farmers and ranchers who continue to be hurt by the effects of the ongoing pandemic. The USDA on Wednesday announced several actions designed to help distressed borrowers in some of the USDA's loan programs. USDA Radio's Gary Crawford explains. For all of us, the COVID-19 pandemic is a national public health emergency. And for some farmers and others who are behind in payments on Department of Agriculture loans or even facing foreclosure, it's a financial emergency. However, this week, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced some temporary actions that could help during this emergency. First, it is suspending temporarily the past due debt collections and foreclosures under the Farm Storage Facility Loan Program and the Direct Farm Loan Program. Also is suspending non-judicial foreclosures and such things as wage garnishments and will work with the Justice Department to stop judicial foreclosures and evictions. Also, USDA is giving producers more time to respond to loan servicing actions that would include loan deferral consideration for financially distressed and delinquent borrowers. Also, USDA is giving lenders the flexibility to help their customers who have USDA-guaranteed loans. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And some other notable news out of the USDA this week. The number of hemp producers in the United States continues to increase, and various federal government agencies continue to try to modernize and clarify regulations to meet the changing times. Recently, the U.S. Department of Agriculture published a final rule clarifying regulations for American hemp production. The rule will ease regulatory burdens on farmers by making changes to sampling and testing requirements, according to Scott Bennett, the Congressional Relations Director for the American Farm Bureau Federation. This new final rule allows states and tribes to adopt a performance-based approach to sampling in their plans. This new alternative method simply must have the potential to ensure that at a competence level of 95%, the plant will not test above the acceptable THC level. The rule also modified the sampling timeline. The interim final rule gave a 15-day window to collect samples before harvest. That now sits at a 30-day window. Bennett says the final rule also 
changes regulations regarding negligence and disposal. This final rule raises the negligence threshold from 0.5% to 1% THC and limits the maximum number of negligent violations that a producer can receive to one per calendar year. The final rule also provides additional flexibility for farmers who can now dispose of a crop on their own without the need of assistance from DEA or local law enforcement. The final rule is set to go into effect this spring pending review by the Biden administration. The final rule goes into effect on March 22nd. However, the proposal of this rule at USDA at the end of 2020 causes it to sit inside the window of time by which President Biden will review all rulemaking. And you can learn more on the Farm Bureau Market Intel page at fb.org. Also this week, coming off of one of the largest years for U.S. pork exports around the globe, the National Pork Board is working to add value and volume for the industry by diversifying markets to support long-term expansion. Norman Bessack, Vice President of International Marketing with the National Pork Board, explains the strategy. The key for us is to make sure that value is going to lead volume. In other words, that we're adding value for the volume that we're shipping overseas. Uh, And diversification really helps us build that portfolio of countries so that we do that. And that really just enables us to bring the best value back to producers. Besak is optimistic about the ability to continue to grow the market share globally. And that just simply means that if we're going to take on the risk of exporting products, we want to make sure that we're getting paid for that. So Focusing on value and volume makes sure we have a good balance uh, and that we're getting growth that is uh, both productive and sustainable for the U.S. market. The pork checkoff is working collaboratively with the U.S. Meat Export Federation in the four categories of core markets, developing markets, emerging markets, and a watch list. Besak explains each market has specific needs, such as those of the emerging markets. These are markets that are just starting to... Uh, increase their imports of protein. Maybe it's because the economy has now grown so that they're looking for uh, protein as they move away from a rice or a bean protein diet. Uh, Great examples of markets in this category would be Vietnam, Philippines, Malaysia, South Africa, Gabon. Those are all emerging markets where we just want to get trial and convince them that they can buy U.S. pork with confidence. Well, the U.S. has not always been a net exporter of pork. In fact, 1994 was the first year more pork was exported from the U.S. than imported into the country. More information about U.S. pork exports is available on the Pork Checkoff's website at pork.org. Chandler Equipment. For 51 years, Chandler Equipment has been manufacturing excellence. The finest quality in pull type and truck mount fertilizer lime spreaders and litter spreaders, fertilizer tenders, seed tenders, and litter conveyors. They also sell a full line of Raven Industries Precision Ag products. To find out more about the full Chandler product line or to find a Chandler Equipment dealer near you, visit ChandlerEquipment.net or give them a call at 800-243-3319. Well, next up on Fast Line, Fast Track, you know, record yields are leading to record nutrient removal. It's something on the minds of a lot of agronomists and a lot of farmers right now. And we wanted to bring in Taylor Perucker, who is the crop nutrition lead with the Mosaic Company, to talk a bit about that. Taylor, welcome into Fast Line, Fast Track. Brian, thanks for having me this morning. Uh, I'm excited to, to be here. I think it's a very timely topic. So I have been uh, talking with a lot of agronomists. As a matter of fact, uh, just today in doing these interviews, uh, this topic has come up quite a bit. You know, record yields, uh, 
uh, are uh, leaving some of this ground wanting. And, uh, you know, you guys have some uh, strategies here to help fix that. Yeah, we're looking at record yields this year. Um, one thing to, to think about and that's important with that is with those yields, we're removing a certain amount of nutrients from the soil. So if we think about 2021 and even years beyond 2021, we really need to focus on resupplying those nutrients so that we can ensure balanced crop nutrition for uh, future crops that we grow on that land. Mosaic has a, a very unique and uh, a very well-versed portfolio of our performance products that can help with that. We have Microessentials, which is a phosphate-based fertilizer. It has two forms of sulfur, uh, both immediate and, and slow-release forms, so we can have season-long availability. Uh, we have Aspire, which is a potassium-based fertilizer with two forms of boron, again, both fast and slow-release. And with these, you know, we can supply nutrients all season long, but it also gives us a flexible application window to resupply some of those nutrients. Mm -hmm. We also have a, a KMAG and our newest performance product called Sistera. So how do you see the record corn and soybean yields we achieved in 2020 having an impact on the fertilizer industry going forward? Yeah, I, I think that as we think of, of record yields, uh, we need to focus on resupplying nutrients and setting up our 2021 crop for hopefully even record yields again. And, you know, when we think about producing high yields, uh, we need to focus on some of the things that we can control, like fertility and crop nutrition. Uh, when we focus on those things, we know about 60% of yield is dependent on the nutrients that we supply the plants. And then once those nutrients are on the field, how are farmers able to monitor their performance and then adjust on the fly? Yeah, that's a great question, Brent. So when we, we apply our fertilizers, um, there are a lot of different tools that we can use um, before the season and even during the season that can help us uh, kind of evaluate our crop nutrition needs and maybe even adjust. Um, one of the most simple things that we can do beforehand is take a soil sample. That's, that's like a report card and it gives us a baseline of what the nutrients are in the soil so that we can um, properly manage balanced crop nutrition right from the beginning. Um, you know, of, of course there are in-season tools like uh, plant tissue analysis, which can further help us evaluate that and um, give us the, the tools that we need in order to adjust and lead to high yields. Are there common mistakes that you see producers making that could be easily avoided? I don't know if there are, are, are common mistakes. One of the things mm -hmm. that I uh, always recommend is, is to take a soil sample and do it on a regular basis. You know, if we're only soil sampling every three, four or five years, I, I think we really miss out on the opportunity to, to adjust and optimize our yield. So if we can soil sample on a two-year basis and base our nutrient recommendations off of that, I, I think we can really fine-tune our nutrient management programs and, and ultimately lead to higher yields. So folks want to know more about the products offered by Mosaic, where can they go? Um, if you'd like to find out more information, we, we have a website, cropnutrition.com, that really contains a wealth of different resources about our products and even the importance of balanced crop nutrition. If you want to learn more about sulfur, zinc, et cetera, it's a great resource tool. So again, I encourage farmers to go visit cropnutrition.com. 
Well, this is all a lot of great food for thought here. And Taylor, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. Brent, thanks for having me today. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, despite enhanced safety measures and the industry's best efforts to bring attention to the issue, grain bin entrapments and death continue to rise. It's an issue we continue to keep front and center here on Fast Line Fast Track. So today I wanted to bring in Matt Sertic, who is the Health and Safety Manager with CHS Incorporated, the diversified global agribusiness cooperative owned by farmers and local cooperatives across the United States. And Matt, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you very much for having me. So between 2018 and 19, grain bin entrapments increased 27% and deaths by 53%. Each of these individual cases is different, but the commonality among many of them is that they likely could have been prevented if additional safety measures had been taken. And I know that's a big focus of yours. So I just kind of wanted to open it up to you and, and, and kind of get your take on, on why we're still seeing as many of these as we do. Absolutely. And when we look at a lot of the grain bin uh, related issues, we see a lot of it being surrounding the out of condition grain, the, the situations where the grain will crust over or there's bridging conditions along the side of the bins that really present a significant hazard for a producer if that individual goes into the bin. And so that is something that we've been talking throughout um, our territory, talking with our producers, reinforcing it, um, really supporting our producers to give them ideas and solutions to address it. Because if you think about it, it, it can happen in just a split of a, a split second here. 22 seconds is all it takes to be completely covered in grain. So it's really looking for those situations, identifying those in your, in your grain bins, um, but also then taking the right steps to protect yourself. So, uh, yeah, that is a very sobering statistic. I, I know that OSHA said that even, uh, you know, once that grain starts flowing, you've got two seconds, literally two seconds uh, to make a decision. Entrapment can happen in four to five. And like you said, engulfment in 22 seconds. So by the time we've spit out this thought, you could have already been engulfed. And uh, that's no good. Correct. Yeah. And that's where people think, oh, that's no big deal. I'll be able to pull myself out or I'll have enough time to react. And the reality is you don't. Um, I've heard from real life situations where people have been totally engulfed. Um, we're lucky enough to survive. And that's the feedback I've received is, is I couldn't believe it how fast it happened. I couldn't believe that the weight that was on top of me, um, it didn't allow me to do really anything. And luckily enough, they were able to make it out of that situation. But in the case for a lot of others, they weren't. And so that's where, you know, when we talk with our producers, we talk with our operations, it's, it's really focusing on um, identifying that crust, that bridging grain, and making sure that we're not going in. So when we see that bridging on the side of the bins, attempting to poke from it on the top or, or finding a different solution that you can try to dislodge that grain so you're not putting yourself in harm's way. Mm -hmm. Well, and you bring up a good point there because that was the one thing that was running through my mind. You know, a lot of uh, folks are still using older kind of leaky bins that uh, tend to lend themselves to these kind of conditions. Are there any accepted practices out there that, uh, uh, that, that can get that grain moving or is it, uh, you know, just kind of every man trying to figure it out for himself? No, you're, you're absolutely right. And a lot of times what we'll see is uh, trying to poke from it from the top and trying to get it from, like I said, not having not having to go into that bin is the first and foremost. So whether you're trying to use a long rod, you're trying to utilize air to try to move it, um, try to get it from the side, uh, outside of the bin. Those are all solutions that other producers and operations have used in the past and have had better success with it. 
Uh, big thing is, is if you are going inside that grain bin and those conditions aren't present, making sure that you're locking out so you shut down, de-energize the equipment, any augers, anything that could be moving that grain, it's important that you're shutting it down, you're locking it, so there is no chance for that grain to start flowing. I know safety equipment is paramount, and going it alone without proper harnessing should be a no-go. And even with proper equipment and checks uh, need to be made uh, to make sure that that equipment is uh, in good working condition and anything it's tethered to is in good working condition. I know I just saw a story recently about uh, a farmer who had done everything right uh, except for where he had it tethered to broke as he was up there and wound up falling to his death. So uh, it seems like, uh, you know, a lot of times people get in this big rush and one of the things that goes out the window is taking that time to make sure that, that you've got the right equipment and then it's properly maintained. It's all about preparation. You're absolutely right. And, and looking over your equipment before you're about to use it, um, spending that little extra time to shut it off and not assuming that nothing will turn on or someone else will understand or know that you're in that bin. It's about having that preparation of having maybe somebody there as an attendant, um, someone that you can communicate with, somebody that can... Um, you know, assist you, things like that, keep an eye on you. Those are all important things to prepare and have a plan before you're going into that green bin. And we've come a long way in terms of harnesses and equipment. Is there any place that CHS suggests farmers can look to learn about the latest, most advanced equipment? Absolutely. It's amazing how much fall protection and the lanyards and harnesses have changed over time. And honestly, talk to your local cooperative as well. They're using them, um, probably more routinely and can give you really good feedback and provide you some examples or ideas where you can get it locally um, or you could be able to order it online or find a dealer near you. Um, but I always like to have that firsthand account and say, well, what would you have success with? What's comfortable? Um, what do you recommend for, for equipment? And you talked earlier, and this is a great point, about uh, not going it alone, making sure that you've got other people knowing what you're doing at all times, where, where you're going to be, and what your plan is, uh, you know, within the family or, or workers or what have you. But how about a familiarity in a lot of these rural communities with first responders and, and people that, that, that know you, know your operation, and can respond uh, pretty promptly if something goes awry? That is a great point. And it's something that we've put a, a significant emphasis on in CHS is that relationship with our local fire departments, our volunteer groups, first responders, and like you said, is making sure that they kind of know your setup, um, having that conversation ahead of time, um, but also being there to support them. Uh, one thing we've done in CHS is, you know, working very closely with them and providing what kind of equipment do you need? Um, maybe it says, hey, maybe if you guys want to do a training event, um, you guys are more than welcome to use our facility. Those, those communication, that relationship building ahead of time goes such a long ways uh, in the event you do have a situation, there's a familiarity with um, with your setup. Well, I tell you what, I put this right up there with topics such as uh, mental health on the farm or farm finances or succession planning as one of the top two or three things that needs to stay top of mind here on the farm. If folks want to get more information about some of the great work being done by CHS, where can they go to access that? Um, they can go to our CHS website. Um, you could also, like I said, I am a big believer in working with the local cooperatives and the cooperatives near you and, and, and hearing what great work is going on across the industry because um, it's important that us as an industry and the grain industry are working together 
to, uh, to learn and support each other, whether it be equipment, whether it be training. So um, again, you can go to CHS Inc. Um, you can look up and there's, there's a lot of information out there as far as the great efforts that everyone is taking. Well, I tell you what, Matt, this is all really helpful stuff here. And we certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track to break it all down for us. Thank you very much for having me. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we saw a rebound in the corn market this past week. And Jesse Allen is here with his Market Talk report to tell us all about it. Jesse. Well, thank you, Brent, for having me back here on another edition of Fast Line Fast Track with this Market Talk update. This past week, I talked with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Great discussion with Mike, as always. And talking about corn, we saw a big sale to China here this past week. Corn market rebounded after last Friday's big sell-off. And I asked Mike, I fielded some questions from producers who were still holding old crop corn, whether or not this was a good time to sell if we put a top in on this market. Here's Mike's answer. Yeah, and I've, I've got some uh, limited power of attorney accounts that I work with producers on, and I just got done letting go of the last of my 2020 corn for those people that I work with on limited power, limited POA. And, you know, I was selling into it most of the time for these people. I was selling into areas that had a pretty good basis because they were near an ethanol plant. And uh, so, I mean, it, it's really difficult to turn away at this point with, with Brazil harvest right around the corner and U.S. planting right around the corner. Really difficult for me to turn away from these prices, given what you and I are talking about, especially if these POA accounts also have a brokerage account where I can come back in and buy back some of the bushels if I see the need to. And like, for instance, one of the recommendations I put out to all clients and, and subscribers, I texted them this, uh, this morning. I, I let a little bit more new crop soybeans go, and uh, it was just a small 10% increment, but it felt good because my last sale was around 1090. So to get up around 1150 and you know average your price up, uh, it was it really felt good to do that for me as the analyst. And then I put in the text: if we close November beans above 1165, we'll come back in and buy back uh, part of the the sales that we've made here. I think you really got to start deciding whether that's the way you want to do it or not, because I think time is of the essence. And what kind of dawned on me this week after last week's market and then the recovery this week was there are two types of people out there in, in farmland when it comes to the grain hedger. They, the people that sell on the way up or the people that want to high and they sell on the way down. I think you just have to sit down with yourself at these price levels and say, OK, which way do I want to do it? while I still have the opportunity to pick. And that's really the bottom line here for me. And I can manage risk for, I think, for those people, regardless of which way they go. I personally always tend to sell on the way up because I like to average up my selling price. And by the time I get done selling, then I can see where I'm at and decide whether it's worth reowning or not. Let's talk cattle uh, here, Mike. And looking at this cattle market, I think first, you know, on the fat cattle side and the live contracts, I, I've heard a lot of optimism and excitement still out there in cattle country. What are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think people are starting to feel like that the big low is in. I'm not there yet right now, Jesse. I'm just not. And it's mainly because the cash isn't leading the futures higher right now. It's the other way around. And you can look at fats, you can look at feeders, you can even look at hogs right now. And it's very interesting because we're coming up against a January feeder expiration and a February hog expiration in the next 10 days for hogs. And, and you're dealing with the situation where the futures are carrying a 4 to $6 premium 
compared to the cash market, whether you're looking at, you know, January feeders and the index against the soon to be March contract, or whether you're looking at the fat cattle trading, you know, 112, 113 at the central stockyards fed cattle exchange today. And then you have the April contract and, and the Feb contract well above that 116 in the Feb, 122 plus in the April. I just, I don't ever like to think that the lows are in when the futures is leading the market higher. I like it when the cash is leading the market higher because it would suggest that the marketings are strong, the demand is strong. And with this COVID looming out here still, I'm still a hedger. We talked about last week converting the short futures and fats into bought puts. I think if my memory serves me right, we had talked about that because of the way the charts looked and the technicals looked, the way the hogs looked. And I did indeed do that. I wanted to go ahead, except for a couple guys that wanted to stay in the short futures, wanted to go ahead and move into bought puts for April because they've gone down in value so much. They're a really good floor right now. And if the market tops here, it won't feel too much different than being short futures is my guess. So I'm still a hedger at these price levels because I want to see the cash market find support. I thought the placements number for the cattle on feed was high enough. We're right where we were last year. That suggests we've got plenty of feeders coming. We're still lower than probably we were at the end at the end of the day uh, come you know the springtime and summertime. So I think this top end of the supply is the horizon is there. But then you look at the cold storage numbers, we're up 11% in beef cold storage, and it's really the pork and the poultry storage numbers that are the lower numbers. And so I think between this and what's going on with the restaurants and, and these new chicken features that are coming out on all these fast food restaurants, all trying to mimic, I think, uh, some of the, some of, the, uh, of the effects of Chick-fil-A. Uh, you know, we've got lots of chicken coming this winter. I, I think the hamburger market is going to be pretty weak this this winter and seasonally. It, it tends to be that way, too. So I'm still a hedger here. And again, a great conversation with Mike Zuzalo this past week on Market Talk. You can listen to the full episode and others by going to markettalkag.com. Reporting for Market Talk in Nashville. I'm Jesse Allen. Well, again, you can find Jesse's daily market updates at markettalkag.com. Again, that's markettalkag.com. You can also find him by searching Market Talk on Facebook. He also appears on the American Ag Network, and you can hear him host Your Ag Today weekday mornings about 6.50 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Rural Radio, Channel 147. Well, next up on Fast on Fast Track, it's time for another installment of Bushels and Cents with our buddy the Hot Rod Farmer, Ray Bohax. Don't forget you can check out all his great multimedia content at FarmMachineryDigest.com. Welcome to Bushels and Cents, a weekly podcast from the Farm Machinery Digest. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer. And never forget, it is not what you make, but what you keep that counts. Fuel-injected gasoline engines are prone to forming deposits on the pintle of the injector. When this occurs, the spray pattern becomes skewed and the fuel is not properly atomized. This results in poor idle quality along with decreased performance and fuel economy. Many do not realize that these deposits are acidic and will cause microscopic permanent damage to the injectors if allowed to remain. A schedule to employ an in-tank injector cleaner will not only improve performance but protect the injectors. An average price for an injector is $80 without labor, and there is one for each cylinder, or the value of about 20 bushels of corn. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Visit FarmMachineryDigest.com 
where steel and soil meet. And don't forget, Rainbow Hacks has launched Farm Machinery Digest Radio on Sirius XM Rural Radio Channel 147. It airs each Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern and again on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern, so I hope you go and give him a listen. Well, next up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, we head on over to the musical side of the house where we bring you the second part of our look at the best musical performances by guests on Fast Line Fast Track in 2020. This week, we kick things off with country music legend John Barry, who appeared on episode 68 of the podcast. We covered many topics during our discussion, so I hope you go back and check that out at FastLine.com. In the meantime, here's John with The Richest Man on FastLine Fast Track. He loved to show off At the whole wide world At his beck and call Yeah, I knew a man Thought he had it all But the richest man I ever knew Made a living with his hands Wore a $13 pair of boots Sporting the farmer's tan
One of the rising star in the country music business came to visit us on episode 69. At just 15 years old, Taylor Hope is wise beyond her years and it shows in her music. She's teamed up with Dolly Parton's Grammy Award winning producer Kent Wells to create some true country music gems like this one. This is Country and Me on Fast Line Fast Track. farming community was well represented in 2020. One of those artists with ag roots who stopped by was Vermont's own Ben Fuller, who appeared on episode 70 of the podcast. He chronicled his musical journey to Nashville on this song, This is Dirt Road to Nashville, on Fast Line Fast Track. Snow outside, green mountain high, 
sliding down a winding road Summer night Here's a fireflies fly When the crickets begin their show Just daddy night He'd count I'd hide Inside a yellow corn road In my mind's rest No one had done my best And I'm set to go Can you hear them quarter-sized rocks Hitting rusty shocks And bumping to all sports zone And the faster you drive The smoother the ride Knowing you're almost home But I'll never forget The first time I left Get that feeling still Riding first class In a dusty seat On the road in Nashville Been told enough, sure know I got the guts, so buckle up and just hang on. See the neon flash, watch the strangers pass as I'm hooking up my microphone. Step on stage, staring at their face, waiting on her favorite song. Four wheel drive. Got me here tonight You can bet it's gonna get me home Can you hear them courtside rocks Hitting rusty shocks And bumping to all sports zone And the faster you drive The smoother the ride Knowing you're almost home But I'll never forget The first time I left Get that feeling still Riding first class In a dusty seat On the road to Nashville Episode 71 of the podcast, we threw you a bit of a curveball. We stepped away from traditional country music to give a nod to our listeners down in the bayou when we welcomed in our friends Johnny and the Mongrels, who play a great blend of swamp funk, jazz, and soul. Here they are with the title track to their latest release. This is Creole Skies on Fast Line Fast Track.
country music were well represented in 2020, and one of the standout performances came on episode 72 when bluegrass and traditional country music star Alicia Nugent made an appearance to promote her album The Old Side of Town, which is produced by legendary producer Keith Stegall. Here she is with a cut off that album, They Don't Make Them Like My Daddy Anymore, on Fast Line, Fast Track. He was just a teenage schoolboy when his papa up and died. So at 18, joined the army, served America with pride. Three years down the road, he took my mama for his bride. Raised me and my three brothers, and couldn't save a dime. Strangers to the high life and well acquainted with hard times. I guess love was all we needed. Cause we never really felt like we were poor And I ain't afraid to say They don't make them like my daddy anymore Only high school education In the Bible he was versed No professor in the classroom But a deacon church loved jesus sunday morning and his bluegrass friday night made sense to play the upright that's the way he lived his life though he rarely said i love you i could feel it loud and clear every time he hugged me tightly his eyes would fill with tears even after he was in makeup he only saw the little girl There's one thing for certain, they don't make them like my daddy
Well, another treat for us came on episode 73 when the Render Sisters dropped by to share their new single, Lost Boy. Mary Keaton, age 16, and Stella, age 14, come from a large farming operation in Arkansas and are being mentored by country music superstar Pam Tillis. Here they are now with their single, Lost Boy, on Fast Line Fast Track. Hey, Lost Boy, in a lonely world, need a shoulder you can cry on, I can be that girl. To save you if you want to Maybe I can be the one I know most things about you and I feel your pain Though you sit right beside me you don't know my name There's only so many prom queens and so many kings on the hill Can't you see you're just another flavor of the month? She's gonna break your heart and leave you crying in the dust When bridges burn, where will you turn after the thrill? about this world that I still don't know At least I'm not shallow And beauty is deeper than skin Hey, lost boy In a lonely world Need a shoulder you can cry on I can be that girl Episode 74, we took it back to the honky-tonk with traditional country music star Ray Scott, who dropped a magnificent EP, Nowhere Near Done, in February 2020. We had a great conversation that you can revisit at FastLine.com. From that EP, here is Better As I Go on FastLine Fast Track. I've never been that good at being good Got a handful of ex-wives to show 
I can lay it hard to waste But I've learned from my mistakes I hope I'm getting better as I go Whiskey is a demon I've been wrestling More than once it's had me on the ropes I put it down, I pick it back up Ain't gonna lie, man, it's been tough I hope I'm getting better as I go There's a reason She waits for me while I'm out on the road She's my beacon She keeps me pointed where I need to go We move on to episode 75 of the podcast, where one of our best friends of the show, Honky Tonk star Scott Southworth, came for a visit. In 2020, he released a new album, These Old Bones. From that album, here's one we're partial to here in Kentucky. This is Brown Liquor on Fast Line Fast Track. Well, I like drinking brown liquor, moonshine, gets me drunk quicker, red wine. Only make me sicker for a little more of that Kentucky brown liquor. I take my neat in a glass, just all by itself. I drink to love and heartache. I drink to your health, and I wax philosophical, just like Aristotle. We got closes up a door. I open up a bottle. I like drinking brown liquor. Gets me drunk quicker, red wine Only makes me sicker for a little more of that Kentucky brown liquor Now some people call it bourbon, Carver calls it ski I don't care what you call it, 
If you're pouring it for me I drink it by the cupful I drink it by the gallon I'll be drinking till I'm thinking I'm a love-making stallion I like drinking brown liquor Moonshine Gets me drunk quicker Red wine Only makes me sicker Pour a little more of that Kentucky brown liquor Gets me fatter, vodka makes me mean. Tequila gets me naked, and that no one needs to see. Don't be a wild turkey and leave me just a trickle. Got help the knife that come between me and my dickle. I like drinking brown liquor, moonshine. Gets me drunk quicker, red wine. Only make me sicker, poor Pickler. Hey now, y'all, that's a near ride. Don't be such a stickler. Pour a little more than I can suck it brown liquor, sunny, yeah. Yeah. Sunny, yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm a beep, a doodly dump, beep, beep, bop, 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 bop. We love us some Scott Southworth around here. And another artist we're quite fond of, Paige King Johnson, dropped by in October on episode 76 to share some new music. Just last week, she took home some much-deserved hardware from the Carolina Music Association. Keeping up with the whiskey theme, here's Paige King Johnson with Water Down the Whiskey on Fast Line Fast Track.
Episode 77 definitely was a big one for us as two artists made an appearance. We don't usually do that, but it was a big week. The first was musical guest Mira Godo. She's a breakout star out of California, poised for a big 2021. Here she is now with Nobody Warned Me on Fast Line Fast Track. They tried to talk me out of leaving, but my heart made up its mind. So they warned me about the dangers of taking on a three-day drive. They warned me about weather, about the tornadoes How the summer sure gets hot, winter's twice as cold Daddy gave me a can of pepper spray, said it's best to be prepared Mama slipped me a little money, she said this ought to get you there They warned me about strangers, about living on my own about ups and downs, the sights and sounds A thousand do's and don'ts But not about blue eyes Not about a southern drop Not about opening up doors No, none of that at all Stay away from bad boys And dirty old cowboy boots They tried to warn me But nobody warned me About you I did not see coming talk about a sweet surprise these feelings that i'm feeling are ones that i don't want to fight you was driving with just one smile and swept me off my feet i was warned about the bad things that this town might do to me mentioned we had two artists on episode 77 the second artist on that episode was our buddy dustin collins the writer and performer of our theme song working man he dropped by to share another surefire hit and the patriotic anthem we all need these days this is stand for the flag on fast line fast track 
News feed and the headlines never seem to change. Day in and day out, they always stay the same. Concrete's growing, the city's moving in, and there's progress for progress sake. They think they know what's best for us and how to change our backwards ways. We stand for the flag. You can be damn sure that we're thankful for everything we have. We love this land. Every inch paid for by blood and sweat and the strength to take a stand. You might think that it's a relic or right. Stand for the flag The men that died Gave their lives Knew what they were fighting for Sacrifice and innocence Left on for sure These colors still fly here High and proud The red, the white, the blue If you think they're coming down Got some news for you. We stand for the flag. You can be damn sure that we're thankful for everything we have. We love this land. Every inch paid for by blood and sweat and the strength to take a stand. You might think that it's a relic or a right. Standout performance of 2020 came on episode 79 when Ashley Amber dropped by to share her new single, Fight With You. Expect to see a lot of Ashley in 2021 as she continues to put out new music. Here is Fight With You on Fast Line Fast Track. Baby, it's all got to worry. Last night our lights got blurry. But I still slept in your jersey. And your lips show me mercy. Broken glass on the floorboard. Don't your shirts out the top drawer? Now we laugh what was bad for. You know I love to keep score. Everything could be going right, 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 right. 
Another artist who came in and blew us away in 2020 was John Mullins, who turned the heads of the judges on NBC's The Voice earlier in the year, and you definitely can see why on this song. This is Better Man on Fast Line Fast Track. It's only human nature just to give up on somebody that you don't understand I know you got a million reasons to let me go But now I'm asking for another chance We can make this work, I would do anything for you I didn't know I was wrong, whatever I need to keep you up Be a better man for you. I will learn to be a better man for you. Mm, yeah. First we're yelling, then we're screaming, and we're getting in the moment. Then you tell me to get out the room. It's why you push me away But I will always come back to you And tell you We can make things work I would do anything for you I didn't know I was wrong Whatever I need to keep you was John Mullins, who appeared on episode 81 of the Fast Line Fast Track podcast. Another act poised for big things in 2021 is American Blonde. The sister duo joined us on episode 82 to talk about a name change for the group and new music. We hope you give that conversation a listen. And from that episode, here is Something in the Water on Fast Line Fast Track. Something in the way that you kiss. I can't get enough of your
of our favorite guests in 2020 splits his time between farming in Kentucky and playing traditional country music. Rye Davis joined us on episode 83 to share the inspirational story of how he transitioned from a minor league baseball player in the Philadelphia Phillies organization to a singer-songwriter. I hope you go check that interview out. In the meantime, here's Rye Davis with They All Know My Name on Fast Line Fast Track. With a cheap guitar and a broken heart, a lot of blood, sweat, and beer. Pour out my soul up on this stage And they don't even know I'm here Yeah, I'm hanging on by some thread of hope Knowing one day things are gonna change And everybody sings my song And they all know my name Something deep inside of me, a 
lot of songs it ain't been wrote It's a long way We're going to close out our look at some of the best artist performances on Fast Line Fast Track in 2020 with a country music legend. Margie Singleton made a name for herself as a singer-songwriter, both as a solo act and as a duet partner with artists such as George Jones and Farron Young. Recently, at 85 years young, she released a new EP titled Nevermind. We're honored to share with you a cut off that album dedicated to her late husband, Leon Ashley. This is her latest single, Missing You, on Fast Line Fast Track. Surely gonna break Don't know how much more It's gonna be Missing you I'm missing you All our friends think I've gone insane Must admit I've been acting Pretty strange
That was Margie Singleton from episode 84 of the Fast Line Fast Track podcast. And if you're a fan of traditional country music, I'd like to invite you to go back and listen to that full interview along with Margie's acoustic performances at fastline.com. Well, we want to thank you for spending part of your week with us, and we invite you to come back again next week for another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. We want to say a special shout out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway, in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. I hope that when you're in the Nashville area, you go and check them out. They have a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise. And if they don't have it, I know they'll find it for you. So stop by and say hi and tell them you heard it on Fast Line Fast Track. Are you in the market for snow removal equipment, a new tractor, perhaps a new planter? If so, head on over to FastLine.com and check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. That's FastLine.com. And while you're on the website, please be sure to sign up for the print catalog for your state or region. No need to head into town to pick one up off the convenience store rack. The FastLine catalog is being delivered directly to your mailbox, and it's still a favorite resource of farmers and ranchers across our great country. And don't forget to subscribe to the Fast Line Fast Track podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Deezer, Audible, and Radio.com. And be sure to hit us up on all those socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, it's time for us to get on out of here. So until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back. And bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com. <laughs>